Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you. And today we follow up on the Starbucks unconscious bias training that happened back on May 29th. As always, you can find Trending in Education on Stitcher, on iTunes. You can find it on Podbean directly. Check out trendinginteducation.com or Trending in Ed on Twitter. Uh, Mike, we, we come back to this topic, one that we thought was very interesting. We've tracked for the past five weeks or so now. Uh, we've finally gotten into uh, the day and, and we've moved forward. Uh, what is a focus for you coming out of the training? What do you find uh, is most important to talk about uh, as we tackle this topic again? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think, I think we need to explore what they actually did in the training because um, that was probably what was most uh, intriguing to me. Like how do you actually begin uh, implicit bias training to, uh, to retrain 175,000 employees, 8,000 stores? So, so that massive scale I thought was an interesting thing for us to try to understand a little bit better. And then how much uh, this effort, uh, which we talked about, you know, at least part of it was, was, uh, was a PR effort. Um, but also I think a big part of it was trying to um, drive a national conversation that isn't gonna, I don't think it's done. And, uh, and I, think, I think those are, those are probably the things that are most, most interesting to me, you know, like how, how do you, how do you do uh, implicit bias training? What works and what doesn't work? Uh, what did they try to do? Um, and, um, and then how is this now sort of feeding into a more of a national conversation? Um, those are my initial thoughts. And uh, one of the things I find interesting here is how do you assess this sort of training? Like, how do you make sure people got what you wanted them to get out of it? Something we deal with a lot, obviously, here. But um, how do you see it as a success? What are the measures? What did they do? To, to Was there testing? Was there follow-up? Will this be part of their typical HR training moving forward? Brandon, how about yourself? What, what from this entire process piques your interest the most and, and something you want to dive into a little further? Yeah, I mean, you... Uh teased some important questions that I think have very difficult answers. How do you assess effectiveness of this? Uh, Dunno. Um, and I'm not sure Starbucks will as well. Did they test this? Uh, certainly didn't test it at any scale like this and have any sort of longitudinal reporting on effectiveness against what measures. Mm -hmm. So probably not uh, is the answer to that. Um, you know, one of the changes that came from this is the change in policy, mm -hmm. which now allows customers or non-customers, I guess, as, as the case may be, to use the restroom without having purchased something. I think that that takes away one of the more fraught, I mean, it introduces some other problems actually, but yep. it takes away one of the more fraught um, barista slash manager customer interactions. Mm -hmm that um, is an opportunity for, and was the precipitating incident in this case, that has an opportunity for, you know, sort of the uglier side of things, uh, raci racism, et cetera, to come out. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, that policy change is real. And my guess is that's gonna have a more real impact than this one day of training. That, that, that may be me being a cynic, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think uh, just one more, comment and we can take this conversation a couple different places but uh speaking of places um you know howard schultz the ceo of starbucks likes to talk about starbucks as the third place you've got home and work and then the third place yep i think that it's not a surprise that the third place has invited some of societal problems into it sure 
you know, those problems exist in the other two places, by the way. Yeah. Like there are these same issues at home and at, and at work. Sure. So that's part of why I'm a little skeptical about one, how you're going to measure it and two, what the real impact is going to be because um, we're like asking to like solve like the problems of society yep. because this place is such a place for so many people. I think it's going to be hard. Sure. Yeah, uh, and the specific policy is around uh, using the bathroom, right? right? Which, uh, which, which is a meaningful change. That is a meaningful change. Yeah. So that's the part. Like, I, I, I would. I'm not. Um, I'm putting that on like an outcome of this precipitating incident, but mm -hmm. I don't think that is specifically an outcome of this training day. Right. Right. So that that's why I, like I'm I'm actually pretty optimistic that that's going to change. It's going to pre prevent some of the difficult conversations. Yep. Um, but I'm not sure about the, the training itself. Yeah. And, and sort of building on that too, like the, the change, the related change is that prior to their policy change, this decision was managed at the local store level. Right. So that allowed, uh, you know, lots of times we talk about how it's important to, uh, empower, uh, folks who are closest to the customer to make decisions. This is like almost a counter example of right. that where like there are certain places where relying on franchise by franchise uh, decisions that might be uh, biased in ways that people don't even understand rather than uh, open up to that complexity at the, the local store level, they change the policy nationally, which, uh, which I think is really interesting, especially in light of some of what I saw from the training, uh, the Stanley Nelson uh, documentary uh, that was part of the training. And uh, he's a filmmaker who's covered um, you know, racial topics in the past and uh, was uh, both uh, tying the, trying, trying to connect to the experience of being a person of color in uh, a store where you're being scrutinized uh, in ways that folks who aren't, uh, aren't uh, of color uh, don't really have to deal with uh, is one aspect of that. And I think the second aspect, uh, perhaps even more powerful for me, was connecting this conversation to uh, the Jim Crow era and the, 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 the long history of gaining uh, access to public spaces that previously were, were, mm -hmm. were, were, were limited based on your color. And um, I thought that was really interesting because like, um, I think it's right. Uh, and if you think about, um, you know, Rosa Parks or uh, a lot of the protests that were happening in, in the 50s, a lot of it was about gaining access to uh, either a restroom or a counter or some seat in a bus that is part of a, a third place, like what you're talking yeah. about. So um, I thought it was interesting to see a private company sort of step into this space uh, and try to own it. Uh, and then do so in a way that is um, sort of uh, aware of the complexities that we're all, all dealing with around race these days, um, which is why my general take, I think, is positive. Like they're, the fact that they're trying. Uh, yeah. You know, lots of times I've, I've heard you say, I think I've borrowed this expression from you, you know, start by starting. So like Starbucks decided to do something big in response to this incident, you know, in April, they just did something big, uh, it did, you know, elevate to like, you know, maybe not 
top of the news uh, the news feed for the day because uh, interestingly Roseanne was being terrible at the same time. Sure, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> which was uh, timely in its own <laughs> wacky way, but um, but it did sort of uh, you know, I found it interesting that a massive workforce training effort was becoming national news and. Uh, I don't think it's going to stop. I think we're going to need to continue to to cover this. Um, and um, I just thought some of the some of the materials. Uh, so the Stanley Nelson uh, documentary I thought was was really interesting. And um, I haven't yet seen what Common uh, contributed, but Common mm-hmm. contributed something. And then it sounded like the majority of the training was actually handled at the local store level. So like there were. And it was more of an idea that, you know, the responsibility to be aware of implicit bias needs to be un- owned by a team. Like it's not any individual's responsibility, it's the entire team's responsibility, which was another um, interesting point too, because then I think you're starting to uh, understand that it, let's assume you have a, a somewhat diverse group running uh, Starbucks, those different perspectives should keep each other in check and um, I thought that was also an interesting insight. So I think a lot of the aspects of the training became more small group level handled at a local level in each of the, each of the stores. And um, ultimately that's how the conversation will continue. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, lots, lots of directions to, to go. Uh, you do see an uh, NBC News article about the training that uh, uh, CEO Kevin Johnson uh, basically saying similar to what you were saying, Brendan, it's one step in a journey. You know, it, it's the beginning step. Uh, it's not just a one-time thing. To Mike's point as well, this is going to be an ongoing story about the training. And I'm intrigued to see how they implement and track, you know, is this, maybe this is glib, but the, the you know, how many days since an injury uh, in a store? Is this how many days since there's an issue? I, how do you track it? How do you make sure it's working? How do you continue to train people and make sure they are doing uh, what is best? It's uh, a lot of uh, recounts from Starbucks have been, well, the employees have been great for the past 24 hours or 48 hours, but how does that move on down the road? And how does a new employee get trained? Uh, do they go through this training or is there a different HR process for them? Mike, I- I'm intrigued also by the scope of it, like the size of the training. And they used iPads apparently to distribute a common video, not the rapper coming, but a, a video to all the stores. Uh, and then they uh, did a lot of PDFs and a lot of group work. But I, I wonder, Mike, how each location was different though. Even though all these training materials were from a central location, you talked about the rule coming down. Do you see an issue that just by nature of who's teaching that each bias training could have been different and thus hard, even harder to track as we move forward? Not sure. I, I'm not sure it's going to be that much of a problem. Uh, assuming that assuming that Starbucks can uh, sort of continue to track the policy change. Uh, I, I would agree with uh, Brandon's point that assuming that that policy is something that they're able to effectively enact that policy change. So giving appropriate guidelines around like, you know, if there is a public safety issue, they, the, the store does have the right to, to alert the authorities or manage it at a local level. Um, and then I imagine there'll be accountability around uh, mistakes moving forward. Uh, so like I, I would imagine if a store um, sort of operates in violation of the new policy, uh, Starbucks probably has accounted for that. So even if you know each locality is gonna be different based on the people who are there, 
um, I think I mentioned this when we covered this last time, Starbucks does a pretty good job of establishing a consistent experience regardless of the location, um, which uh, I think is interesting on a, on a few fronts. Like, cause, cause I also think thinking about Starbucks as a gentrification driver um, is interesting as well. So like frequently like when the Starbucks start to come, uh, that's an indication that, that a neighborhood is, is uh, you know, towards the, towards the tail end of gentrification um, and how much that, now can maybe open up access and um, engagement with the community in ways that um, isn't just for the folks who are benefiting from the gentrification. It's also maybe benefiting folks who, who just need access to a, a, a third place, you know, like what, and it's going to raise questions about, about homelessness. It's going to raise questions about um, uh, consumers desire to feel safe. Um, uh, but I, but I think those are the types of topics that a company like Starbucks needs to needs to take some responsibility for. Uh, and I can't the level to which they've been held accountable already uh, to me indicates that they're going to need to continue to deliver because uh, because they got a, they got a mix of press about this. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. A lot of people uh, were were somewhat critical of, uh, you know, particularly the short term aspect of the one the one afternoon. Sure. Um, I think I also heard, uh, you know, $12 million in in lost revenue uh, was one quote, which actually sounded conservative. Yeah, that was, all, I was pretty close to where we did the math. Mm -hmm. um, just one math comment. And then uh, yeah. just one uh, comment on the training itself. The um, in the uh, New York Times article where it was talking about uh, 8,000 stores and 175,000 employees and thousands of cups of coffee a day. Yeah. I feel like, isn't the goal like uh, um, to, to get the biggest number that you can, yeah. like it's, it's at least tens of thousands. Yeah. Or otherwise, <laughs> Starbucks should shut down some stores. It's, I'd say it's definitely hundreds of thousands. Like, do they sell a million cups of coffee a day? If it's twelve million dollars of lost revenue, probably I, I would like to go to that to that that article and say, "Up your game!" Yeah, millions of cups of yeah, coffee. Yeah, quote a day. some braggable numbers. I think so. Yeah. The um the thing that that I think is interesting, and, and I'm sure it wasn't consistent store to store, and this is part of the challenge of syndicating the responsibility for training. Right. Um, what the vibe is like when I think about compliance training yeah. that I've had to do, sure. like it elicits the, re the reaction you just gave, like <laughs> extemporaneously, Mike. Uh, it's there. It's usually so bad, right? Um, and I get why we have to do it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I have a big group of people in in my group who I sell the the why we have to do it um, to, but um, you know, if if this was received by the employees and or delivered by local managers as a compliance training right. versus as a, sort of an enrichment uh, piece. I, I'm right not one. sure what work they did to mm -hmm. get the tone right, but I think that's really important. Yep. Yeah, I thought the uh, the, the Daily Show did, did the Roy Wood Jr. Uh, version of the training uh -huh. was also kind of funny too, where like uh, it was a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a, a comic wink, uh, fake commercial, like fake Starbucks training, uh, which, which I thought I thought was sort of touching on some of the some of the basic uh, themes that we've been talking about. Um, I do think the other one I wanted to just talk briefly about is uh, the idea of implicit bias among uh, children. So, like, there was research that uh, we'll share out around three-year-olds uh, and how 
even by the time a kid is three, a lot of their, their implicit biases around race are already uh, discoverable, like through research. Uh, and then also that uh, through use of an app, uh, these researchers in Ontario were able to um, sort of lessen the implicit bias within three-year-olds. So I found that both... Three-year-old Canadians. <laughs> yeah. But I found it both, uh, you know, so almost disturbing and surprising that the implicit bias is there so young because these kids are really cute, you know, and they're just like innocent, but also innocently biased. Uh, and then at the same time, they can be untrained in their biases. Uh, at least I think the, the, what I saw was like for maybe two to three months and then they would need to continue like a training process. Um, I thought that was interesting because like, you know, they're as, they're as fresh a set of minds as you're going to be exposed to. They already have bias. And even when you untrain them in their bias, there's almost a tendency to drift back towards bias, mm. which... Um, which I think is really interesting because like it, it, it almost argues for an ongoing conversation in a world where our attention spans are so short that, you know, we'll engage and be really interested in this. And then, then the next thing will come on and, and we'll forget about it. And uh, it'll be interesting just to see how much Starbucks stays on this theme and how much it starts to spread. Because uh, I think your point is right about workforce training. Um, to me, this is a signal that it's going to become an increasingly big deal and doing it well is going to become more and more important because a lot of the the mediocre uh workforce trainings are probably not going to be as relevant to sort of the future of our workforce you know right. it's going to have to be something that is more connected and relevant and from what i'm hearing i'm really curious what a starbucks employee will say about it it seems like they 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 may have landed closer to that than the traditional workforce trainings that, that, that all of us. Yeah. I think, I'm, I think that they tried to, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see. It's, a, I think it comes down again to the, the, the delivery, <clears throat> the sort of tone of it. Yep. Um, a disclaimer, my uh, three-year-old Canadians joke was a joke about implicit <laughs> bias. I've, I have no bias implicit or otherwise against Canadians. Uh, I love you, Canada. Um, to all our listeners up North. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting on that. Like, I, I think um, it's one of the reasons I, I love raising a kid in New York City that I feel like um, the people she sees are more diverse than the people I saw growing up in a suburb outside of Cleveland. Yep. And, sure. uh, and so I, I think Starbucks actually in that way, if it could fulfill that third place sort of um, uh, aspirational goal, it could be a place that brings the community together in a diverse community, particularly in certain markets, mm -hmm. um, where it actually has a role to play in helping the community with what exactly this training is intended to do. Like, I think if you're, you know, if these are the people in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. Starbucks, mm -hmm. um, are, are different than you, I think that's a good thing. Yep. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think that's probably part of how we, lesson biases the ones that are that we're even unaware of is just you know rubbing elbows with with different kinds of folks and um you know so so hopefully i'm 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 optimistic that continued effort will yield results mm -hmm. i'm um I'm, I'm interested to see there's a psychological i know you like when i drop psychological oh, phenomena I I can't, I can't that's wait. your favorite part but there's there's something called the the mirror exposure effect which uh, is pretty much what it sounds like. It's M, what the, M I R? No, M E R E. Just oh. simply. Oh, got it. 
simply by being exposed uh, to things, uh, people start to like them more. Yeah. So the more exposure, which also you that know, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, it's you're also you're reporting the news here. Like you're telling me a real thing. So I am like, telling you. I am telling when you I say that makes sense, like you know what? I think I'm having the mere exposure effect yeah. to the mere exposure effect. Oh my effect. god! Wow! Wow! That was yeah. deep. That was deep indeed. Uh, there's a great photojournalism article from New York Times that I'll share uh, on Twitter about the different Starbucks across three different states, uh, and and exactly what Brandon was talking about about sort of the cultures within each one and how they are becoming more representative of the communities that they sit in. Uh, Brandon, to your question before, uh, according to their 2016 annual reports, Starbucks served between 2.916 and 2.946 billion cups of coffee, which equates to about 8 million per day. Mm. So mm. Eight Thanks for doing that math, Dan. I'm here. Danny on the spot. I, I like that. Danny on the, on the calculator. Well, all calculations aside, uh, this was a, a great discussion, guys, and uh, one that I'm sure we'll continue to track as we move into the future. We'd love to hear from our listeners. And find us, as always, at uh, Trending and Ed on Facebook or at Trending and Ed on Twitter. Let us know, uh, have you seen changes in your local Starbucks? Uh, is it your third place? Is it somewhere you go to be comfortable? And have you seen changes in the way uh, they're approaching all people who enter the premise or, or is it business as usual where you are uh, or are you somebody who went through the training or went through a training like this that was one day because of an incident uh, somewhere else in your workplace. So very much want to hear from you about what you thought about uh, this episode of Trending in Education, but also what Starbucks has done and what we should see going forward. Uh, as I said, Trending in Ed on Twitter and Trending in Ed on Facebook. As always, we appreciate you listening. Next week, we'll talk about sleep and learning, not only uh, how important sleep is to learning, but also maybe some of the learning you do while you sleep, or more specifically, do you continue to process information while you sleep, and how much does rest actually influence how well you can learn? With that said, thanks as always for listening to Trending in Education.